I'm a huge music lover. Like, I, they're, my earliest memories in life are listening, like, to my parents' and grandparents' music. Mm-hmm. And my mom used to joke, like, our first, my first concert was an Earth, Wind, and Fire concert with, like, a, a baby headset on. And, but I'm not musically inclined. I love to sing. I think that a lot of people who've been in my car would argue I might not be great at it. (laughs) But it's been such an inch. Like, I love music. I love learning about artists, creation, and I'm such a big fan. But I think that's the best part about this programming as well is that there is a space for everyone who believes in the mission, right? There is a space for your skill set here. It's day two of the 2022 Omaha Girls Rock Camp on July 12th. And today, the reader is sitting down with Hallie Taylor, executive director of the nonprofit that connects Omaha's young girls and femmes with music. The reader is spending the week with the 36 teens as they work towards their final goal of writing, learning, and playing an original song at the Slowdown, a local venue, by the end of the week. For Taylor, it's exciting to see the process reset itself, something she's watched again and again since being involved in Omaha Girls Rock for more than a decade, before she even applied to be executive director. Taylor's background is in education, and she's the first to admit she's not that musically inclined. One of the first questions she asked previous director Melissa Worth was if she needed any music experience to take on the job. I was like, I have two major concerns. She was like, what? Well, I was like, well, first of all, I don't want to be a fraud saying, like, you guys can do this. Learn, the, you know, learn this instrument in a week. Get on stage, perform. We're behind you. I can be the cheerleader, but there's, like, is there going to be accountability to the skills that I don't You're going to go through camp and do it. Taylor saw the impact of OGR firsthand through her sister Cecily's experience. Um life story very briefly is that um, our mother passed away in 2010 Mm -hmm. and when that happened I became um, the legal guardian of my two younger sisters Mm -hmm. so um, at that time my sister Cecily was about 11 and my sister Michael was about 16 15 Mm -hmm. And I was looking for summer programming for Cecily that I could afford. She was really into, like, competitive volleyball, Mm -hmm. which is a big expense. Um, And I was just looking for something that she would be interested in, and she had talked for a long time about wanting to play guitar. Mm -hmm. So I can't remember exactly which friend I learned about OGR through, Mm -hmm. um, but I know that they were, you know, loosely tied to... Um, the community that of volunteers that started the programming. Mm-hmm. So when I found out that there were some scholarships available, even at the very beginning of programming, I just knew that that's what I wanted Sess to get involved in. Mm-hmm. More so than what I thought I wanted my sister to do, she was really mm-hmm. pumped about it. So that was the first time that I ever heard of OGR, was registering her for the programming. And this is when it was at UNO. Mm-hmm. And pretty bare bones. I mean, it was just completely grassroots of people who wanted to bring opportunity to our community and our youth here. And I just watched my sister. I mean, there was a lot, there was so much grief and so much sadness and 
she started seventh grade that that mm-hmm. year. So this was between seventh and eighth grade for her. And I just watched her become stronger in her spine, like the way that she would stand or how she'd engage with others or share interests. So I knew that Omaha Girls Rock was a lot more than just learning the guitar. And I don't want to belittle that either, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I just didn't think I anticipated that to Mm -hmm. see that in a week, see that empowerment take Mm -hmm. place. Taylor officially stepped into the position of executive director this past April. Beyond adapting to the role, she has had to take on additional challenges. OGR, like many organizations, is still recovering from pandemic-related circumstances. You know, we're now looking at very, the very real effects of the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, the very real effects about the lack of pay for artists, the very real effects of um, inflation, And I'm seeing that now because we have always been an organization that's rooted in volunteerism. Those first years of camps were exclusively run by volunteer people power. We have never had a formal volunteer stipend or payment available. And I think that as an organization, that's the biggest effect that I'm seeing of COVID now is people's ability to give their time. There's a collective community exhaustion. I think that there is trauma we've all experienced that we're pushing down. When we're reaching out to our core, like our core base of volunteers, it's never that, oh, I don't care about OGR anymore. It is I have to work, I can't take this time off, right? I, I'm yeah. not able to take the time off because so many of our volunteers that you have come in contact with, I'm sure, that we have here at camp, you know, we are not only an organization for the most oppressed within communities, but also our volunteers represent those intersections of those identities too, right? We're not only working with young femmes, femme identifying or gender expansive youth, right, in a multitude of intersections, but that's also our staff. So mm-hmm. that's the work now mm-hmm. that I want to be very intentional about moving forward is absolutely keep our camp programming as amazing as it's been. How do we make it more accessible? How do we break down more barriers so that it really is reflective of our Omaha community? And then how do we take care, good care of the people, of all the people who are here to help us reach that mission? Embedded in OGR's mission is a drive to give back to the Omaha community and promote equity through programming. This intention has become more evident this summer, with campers attending daily workshops surrounding social advocacy. We're not here to tell you what you're supposed to experience or how you're supposed to feel while you're here at camp. We're only here to like support you and help get in your experience, okay? How camp is run allows, celebrates, and welcomes campers, volunteers, lunchtime performers, etc. Anyone who comes in contact with our programming, I think it allows us a very unique space to be authentically ourselves. We see so many students, as I mentioned, like with my sister, like stepping into their power, feeling stronger in their voice, writing profound 
songs with lyrics about what they're what they care about what like what matters to them so I believe it's imperative (laughs) that we are developing these skills to continue past camp how do these skills transition into back into my middle school my high school my extracurricular activities as volunteers or the, you know, the adults occupying the space as well. How do you build safe collaborative spaces in Omaha when we're not in camp? How do you maintain those relationships? How do you use your voice to stand up for what you believe in? Like what is so openly, freely, lovingly shared at camp? I heard it when I was young and I didn't really know if I understood it fully about like um, the youth, like the kids are all right. The youth will save us. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. They're so progressive. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what, the, the language that's used almost in an adultism capacity. Mm-hmm. But, but that is the truth, that if we want to know how to meet the needs and future growth of our community, we have to engage our youth. So for me, that is out of like a personal value on why I why we are continuing it through camp now. And that includes so much more than what we're seeing now um, regarding abortion access. You know, the mm-hmm. oppression, subjugation, marginalization of BIPOC individuals. It's certainly so much more than the oppression that women have faced and femmes have faced throughout history, especially black trans women. Not including activism is going to make our organization irrelevant. Music has always been such a core part of the revolution. It's been such a core part throughout human history of community built around it, of the communities built around music development, music genres, niche music groups. Like it's just, it feels like it's a natural progression. As Taylor dives into the remainder of summer programming, she plans to learn how to play the ukulele, a sort of homage to the process all the campers have to go through. Oh no, I'm going to learn how to play the ukulele. <laughs> so even though I can't, I'm not going to sing and play my uke. Um, You're going to perform for them one day? Probably in a, tor- they're probably against torture, right? <laughs> What's going on? 